All right, gentlemen. Watch out for when that rush hour traffic. Those old people that have lost their paper. <laughs> What's up, NASCAR fans? I'm Mama Smith, and welcome back to another edition of Mark Mamba and the Mayor. Can you dig it? We are going back to North Wilkesboro Speedway. Mark and Jeff have tons of laps around North Wilkesboro and give us their thoughts on the bombshell announcement. Does this open the door to NASCAR going back to other historic tracks? Mark and Jeff will tell us where they think we should go back to next. Let's get it started. It's Mark Mamba and the Mayor. Welcome back to another episode of Mark Mamba and the Mayor podcast. Of course, I got Jeff Byrne, Mark Martin. Fellas, the playoffs, are, it's getting hot out here. It is turning up. You can say that again, Mamba. I tell you what, uh, I'm I'm going to be glued to the TV next week. Jeff, you're seeing it from the front row. Yeah, it's amazing to me the um, the number of winners we've had this year. You know, I at this point, I don't know why we're surprised, right? I mean, it's just crazy. Like every weekend, who knows what's going to happen? Who's the favorite? Like seriously, like if you sat down and have a conversation about who the favorite is to win the championship. I, who the hell is it? Whoever's still in it, right? Whoever's still in the playoffs, that's the favorite. We talk so much about the past on this on this podcast, which is so much fun. I don't remember a year in which there's been so much uncertainty. Mark might have a different thought about that, but I just don't remember a year that had this many things happening all at once. Well, this is this has been the the best year that I can ever remember for action on the racetrack and excitement and not knowing, not being able to predict what's going to happen each week or even, you know, during the race. A lot of times you get a sense for who's going to be the guy to beat in the past and you just don't really seem to to get that. You have to stay glued every inch of the way. And man, if there's a caution at the end, there's no telling what'll happen on a restart. I'll tell you what, it, it's making that race for the championship show in USA. It's really going to make that a really fun show to watch all the behind the scenes. But you talk about all the stuff on the track, off the track. We've already announced we're going street course racing in Chicago. And then Jeff, your, your boy, your, your man, Dale Jr. Somehow convinced everybody in the industry to go back to North Wilkesboro. Now, I remember Jeff and I, I might have been Pocono one day. We were having a conversation about North Wilkesboro. And he's like, man, you don't remember. You never would have understood what it was like. What does this mean to you guys? I got to witness the Cars Tour late models run around there. And that was pretty cool for me. That racetrack, uh, number one, as a driver, I hated it. <laughs> Because, I, you know, I have one good run there and I only race, I raced there for three years. I have one good run there, four years. I have one good run there, ran, actually ran fourth the last race that they ran. And other than that, Ward and I both missed the race uh, at North Wilkesboro. And so I had bad memories rolling into that back straightaway gate and more importantly, rolling out of it. And that place created so many challenges for me and represents a part of my history that I don't like to remember, to be honest with you. It was just a really hard time in a lot of, era, a lot of ways for me. But the one thing that that racetrack always had was full grandstands. 
that track put on good racing. It had a tremendous amount of support from the community. It represented short track racing. It did a lot of things that were really good. And it did some things, Mark, that we missed today. You know, for years, I've been saying, hey, let's take that all-star race to South Boston Speedway, to Hickory Motor Speedway, to some of the grassroots NASCAR tracks. This does that in a different kind of way. This does that modern NASCAR race there. It went away. It went away. And now we can bring it back. And that's what we need to do. We're going to build this sport by organically making it awesome for our fans. That's how we build new fans. That's how we build new excitement. And this does all that. This does every bit of that. And people love the past. If he didn't, we wouldn't have this podcast. So you take the modern gladiators, the modern cars, and you take it to where we used to do battle. And that is a recipe for success, in my opinion. Mark, we're talking about the all-star race. You've won it before, but now we're taking it off off the mile and a half. So we're putting it back on a short track. I, I don't know, man. It's, it, I'm excited to see the whole thing unfold. I'm sure that for you growing up and, and w- watching this track develop, this must mean a lot to you, too. Oh, man. I am the opposite side of the coin from Jeff Burton, my friend. Oh, North Wilkesboro, man. Uh, My first NASCAR start in 1981 at 22 years old, I rolled in there with a bread truck and an open trailer and rolled off the truck and uh, qualified either fifth or sixth. And I was a little disappointed with that. Thought I might have should have done even better. So uh, it was a racetrack that was always good to me. We ran great from the start. When I got with Jack, we really started hauling around that place. To me, it's a real racetrack. To me, Martinsville is, well, it wasn't my favorite. You know, the paperclip, that wasn't, you don't race anywhere quite like that, uh, where I come from. But the big sweeping turns, uphill, downhill, uh, all that you experience there at North Wilkesboro is just, to me, it's a driver's dream. I mean, it just, it was a great place. Loved it. Loved racing there. Managed to win a couple of times there. Made my first truck start of my career there and happened to win that one as well. So it was a good racetrack for that. But its history goes way before me um, and is so important, I think, to our sport. When I think about racetracks, I think about it's kind of like this. Think about going to one of these fancy mile and a half at Charlotte or, or Kansas or wherever we were just at. It's like putting on a suit and tie. You know, it's really nice. It's really fancy and all that stuff. And that's great. Everybody enjoys dressing up, you know, once in a while. But, dude, when you go to North Wilkesboro or Nashville Fairgrounds or a racetrack like that, that's like putting on a T-shirt with holes in it and jeans (laughs) on. You know what I mean? And our race fans need that. And this is so great for our sport to be bringing it back. There's so much excitement. Kudos to Marcus Smith, SMI, of course, Dale Jr. But I, you know, I also got to throw in there Barry Braun from uh, Race XR was hugely part of putting on all the, the late model races and all the, the races there. And I really respect him for uh, dipping his toe into asphalt racing. Uh, instead of just sticking over there with the dirt racing all the time. But, you know, it's it's really a great thing for our whole sport. They, they like Jeff said, they're longing for 
the kind of retro, old school, throwback stuff. That brings me to, to my son, Matt. He's uh, started up a website, markmartinarchive.com. And uh, you should go check that out. He's been talking a lot about, you know, the races at North Wilkesboro because we just had them. And, of course, the excitement of, of uh, Wilkesboro coming up. Man, I can't wait for the all-star race to get here. Make sure you go check out Mark Martin Archive on IG, too. Matt puts some really cool content out there from back in the day with Mark. Jeff, so I was there during the, the late model races. I was in such awe because even though the place was so old, it has held up so well. And obviously that's why we're able to do this because if the surface was coming up, we wouldn't be, we, we wouldn't be able to do this and push it back a year to resurface it. And now we might not have to resurface it for a long, for a minute because the racing was that good. So, and listen, I, I think that's where Dale Jr.'s influence has been so instrumental is not just in saying, Hey, we should have a race there. Cause a lot of people have been saying that, but if we're going to have a race here, what should we do? And Dale Jr., you know, working with Marcus, hey, let's don't repave it. Why do we have to repave it? Like, do we really have to repave it? And you know what I mean? Because immediately you're thinking, you know, the state of North Carolina appropriated funds for uh, to try to help racetracks, like to try to help the infrastructure because the state of North Carolina recognizes how important it is to the economy. Well, there's a, a significant amount of money going to North Wilkesboro Speedway from that appropriation. The first thought is pave it. Because it's old payment. And Dale Jr. is like, no, no, don't pave it. Don't pave it. And if you don't have to pave it, if the pavement's not going to come up, if the pavement's not going to create a problem, then don't pave it. Because that's part of the history and what makes North Wilkesboro great is that you're going to run for 15 laps and be screaming, I need tires. That's what we need for our cars today. And the, a lot of the racing we see today on mile and a half, a lot of that good racing is because we now have tire fall off. And with this car, that's made a difference. With last year's car and that rule package, believe it or not, tire fall off actually hurt the race on mile and a half. It helped it on the short tracks, but it hurt it on mile and a half. This car is the exact opposite. We want as much tire fall off as we can get. Short track racing hasn't been as good at some places. At Martinsville, it was so cold and that tire it never fell off. So everybody's car, they drove their cars like they did in qualifying laps, right? Well, if you fall off two seconds, you can't do that anymore. And that's how you pass. And so if you have to pay North Wilkesboro, the Goodyear is forced to come with a tire that can take that new pavement. And that's a tougher tire that isn't going to fall off. Now it will five years from now, but we want the race to be great now. And that's where Dale Jr. has been so influential and saying, hey, let's make the quality a race. Like, history's great, but we still got to have a great race. And how do we do that? And part of that is keeping that asphalt. So they're going to do that unless a study is done that says, hey, it's going to come up. It's going to create problems. Uh, other than that, I'm convinced they'll keep that place just like it was. Mark, the last repave of North Wilkesboro was 1981. So when I when I went up to North Wilkesboro, I realized that the same paint was on the walls and was on the suites as it was when Mark Martin walked in there. And I'm like, this is cool. I want them to just clear coat that over so we don't lose that. You know, as we make this place great again, let's keep that originality because we can't recreate that 
So Mark, when you get to go up there and see that so much of the original stuff is there, what's that mean for you to be able to see that and the new cars on track? Well, it's extremely important to have the, the feel, the air around you, that the look like it was. That's a big draw to, to everyone right now. And to completely make that thing all dressed up in a new dress would really take away from it. So uh, kudos to the vision of everybody that's been involved in it to try their best to modernize it without you know, taking all that historical look away from it. Because that, you know, that's just a big part of it. So when you're going to App State or anywhere in Boone, right, you drive by North Wilkesboro. And one time I was like, man, I'm, I'm going to go check this place out. You know, I, I, Vermont, I heard about this place, but I've never seen it. So I drive up there and I get out of my car. And I start walking in because, you know, with all the lost speedways, you can kind of get in wherever you want to get into. You just got to, you know, not be scared. Well, I get out the caretaker. I didn't know that there was a caretaker. I've never seen one at one of the lost speedways. He wasn't there, but his dog was on the porch. So I start walking into the racetrack and guys, the dog starts following me and I start feeling like I'm in a horror movie a little bit and I get right up onto the step. I'm like, you know what? I'm away. I'm going to just, I'm going to head back to the, head back to the car and roll back down the hill. But that's one of the cool things about this place. It's basically on top of a mountain. This is as old school as old school gets going back there. And the fans, Jeff, when I say the fans showed out for the, they were wrapped around like you would have thought they were doing the way it was crazy. And when Dale Jr. made that run at the end of that car store race, the place came unglued. You know, Dale Jr. is going to attract fans and, and fans love Dale Jr. And that was an impressive crowd. The crowd the week before without Dale Jr. There was impressive. It was huge. And we shouldn't forget that because that racetrack attracted so many people dale jr attracted more but on its own for that modified race there was a lot of people there and it shows you how much people have wanted and I, you know you got to give credit also you know there's a group called save the speedway and they are they have been relentless and they have been committed and have kept north wilkesboro on everybody's mind you got to give them some credit too i don't even know who they are i don't know anything about them i do know this i I made a a false comment one time. I lumped North Wilkesboro and Rockingham. And I didn't mean to do it because I knew North Wilkesboro wasn't the case. But I said something and I I lumped them into it somehow. And I said, hey, fans weren't coming. That's part of the reason they lost the race. I remember you said that. that, (laughs) Remember those Save the Speedway people are. They lit me up. And I deserved it. I said it wrong. I deserved it. But it showed you. And that was years and years and years after that racetrack had been closed down years later. And so it showed you the passion that they still had and they were defending their racetrack. They were defending their turf. And again, I don't know who they are and I don't know anything about them, but they have been relentless on social media. They have been relentless trying to make this thing happen. One more thought on, you know, the look of the old, the old North Wilkesboro and how important it is. So the first time I went to Rockford Speedway was in 1977. I was just 18 years old and wasn't interested in history or anything else. I was just excited about being in this national short track championship race with all of my heroes. But when I went out to the racetrack, there's the, the pavement was probably 30 years old. I mean, it had gouges and, 
and uh, lines drugging, and it was just ate to pieces. And the wall was, it looked like North Wilkesboro. It was all broke up and had chunks out of it and the paint, you know. And then you went up into the stands and and around underneath the stands where the concession stand was and everything. It was nice, but it was had a lot of character and a lot of history. And even it made an impression even on me at 18 years old that that place was something special. It would have not made that impression on me whatsoever if I rolled in there to brand new black pavement and brand new walls and everything being brand new. I would have thought, boy, this is a nice facility. But I, it would have, would have not meant nearly as much to me as it did. And I think, you know, with all that history behind it, and I think that that's a lot of the lure to North Wilkesboro. But as Jeff said, the racing has always been incredible on it. And um, and to see, you know, these cars uh, that we're racing today out there on it with the tires backing up like they do, it's going to be some insane racing. So Benny Parsons gave gave his wife, Terry, a, a wish list before he passed away. And the number one thing on that wish list was to bring racing back to North Wilkesboro. Benny passed away in 07, and Terry's been working on that ever since. Stephen Parsons got to race the, the late model race there. So there's, there's a lot of lineage here. And you know what was most interesting to me is I live in Uptown Charlotte now, and I drove, obviously drove to North Wilkesboro to watch the race. That ride is not that far. Mm-mm. It's not nearly as far as what I thought it was in my mind. So, like, to be able to get more people, Jeff, from more suburbia Charlotte to North Wilkesboro, if you're delivering them on a throwback environment and a fun environment, I think that that place can do that for short track racing. Ticket sales won't be a problem. Um, mm-hmm. I, leave early. Oh. <laughs> yes, definitely I'm do that. Now, months in advance, leave your house early because there's you know only a couple ways in and out of that place. I got stuck in the infield one time there. Spent a fair amount of time trying to get out. So leave early. Yeah, that's a, that's my advice to you. But what an exciting time, you know, and, you know, the, I don't know what improvements are going to be made to the track, but I know the infrastructure is going to be improved. You know, you didn't really know what the future was, right? So they didn't invest a tremendous amount of money. They did what they should have done. But now uh, they're going to go all at it. But I'm with you. Don't paint the walls. Don't pay the track. Don't do anything. Just leave that track the best you can. Clean the bathrooms up. Make them where they're better. Get the grandstands looking good. Do all that. But, man, leave that racetrack. All that you can. Mark, when we lost the race date back in 96, what direction did you feel like we we're headed? Do you feel like at that point that was the right direction? Or did you immediately wish that we were staying there? I was sort of signed up to the movement of bigger and better. I really loved that racetrack at North Wilkesboro and would have much rather been racing there than adding New Hampshire, to be honest with you. Uh, I thought that it was really important to have that kind of racing that we could do at North Wilkesboro. Uh, It's harder to have that kind of racing at New Hampshire, although you can still have great races uh, at New Hampshire. I just wasn't, you know, I I was all on board with, hey, we've got to go to New Hampshire because we've got to open that market. We've got to, you know, we've got to go to Texas. We have to go to California. 
again uh, to Southern California, all those things, you know, I kind of bought into uh, the sport, the sport growing and getting to better market, bigger markets and expanding. Yeah. So we're bringing it all the way around full circle here, Jeff. We have now, I feel like we have completed the circuit. We started, you know, on these old racetracks, we, we expanded, where you know NASCAR is international and different levels, and now we're coming back to our roots and giving our traditional fans what they love, and at the same time, telling the story to the. I think this is the biggest part: telling the story to the new fans. I know that new fan inclusion is so important to you, but we can't do it without guys like you and Mark to tell the stories, so we can move forward and tell the next stories. Well, listen, we always want new fans. Everybody wants more people to like what it is that they're doing. That's stating the obvious. How do you do it is the question. And, you know, to Mark's point, there was a lot of new shiny pieces out there. And not only were a lot of us bought into that, so were a lot of the fans. And, yes, mm-hmm. North Brooksboro fans and Rockingham fans, you know, they, they got left behind. But there were millions of others that loved mile and a half racetracks and you have to go back and Marcus and I, Marcus Smith and I have had this conversation, you know, you have to remember, and this is, this is fact that we had an exorbitant amount of race fans that were screaming for more mile and a half that wanted these big racetracks that wanted these big coliseums. They were wanting that they were giving the fans what they wanted. Now that's not to say that they also weren't making a few people mad. That's not to say that. Right. And what would have been nice to do, and it's easy to play it in reverse. We don't get to live life in reverse. We get to learn and move on. What would have been nice to do was to present the fans something new without giving the old away. And we didn't do as an industry, we didn't do as well at that as we should have. But you have to remember things change. You had Rate the, the way the racetracks were owned, the way the business worked, all that was different then. These aren't easy. They should have done this. They should have done that. These are very complicated things about shutting a racetrack down and building a new one, starting a new one. How you that whole process happens and why that process happens, it's complicated. It's not an easy, you should have done this, you should have done that. I, I think we, as a sport, we have to be careful. We, we got to learn. And we got to go back and say, how did all these things happen? But you can't oversimplify it and just say, well, we shouldn't have left. Well, no crap. But why did we leave? And, 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 and you know, the fans wanted mile and a half. I mean, that is that was what? Remember when Texas was built? I mean, oh, my oh, God. Yeah. Right. If you built that today, fans be like, what are you doing? But fans loved it. They packed that place out for years. They packed it out for years. They loved it. And then. You don't know until you, you know, no one knew, no one knew that they wanted an iPhone until someone gave them one. And then you went, damn, I can't live without it. But none of us are smart enough to say, I'd love to have this. I'd love to have a device I can carry in my hand that would do all these things. Like, there's no way. And so at the moment, you make the best decisions that you can. And sometimes they're right and sometimes they're wrong. And most times they're partly right and partly wrong. We, I wish we could have found a way to not turn our backs on some of our race fans and trying to build new fans. 
that was obviously never the intention, but that is what happened. Right. And we got to learn from it and we got to build our fan base from our core and always looking to bring new people in, always making sure everyone feels welcome, that everyone feels like they have a place at the racetrack. There's a reason you should want to be a NASCAR fan. We have to work hard at that. Uh, and we and we have to build through our base. We got to want a grandfather to want to take his kid to the track. We got to want a neighbor to say, you have to go to the racetrack with me. If you don't, you're missing out. One on one by one, that's what we need as a sport, as everybody does. And if we do that, we'll get new fans. And, you know, we're learning as we go. This sport's 75 years old next year. And we're going to be smarter in the 75th year than we were in the fifth. We're going to be smarter in the 100th year. And some, some, we're going to make mistakes along the way. Obviously, for me, having New Hampshire, that was huge because that's how, that's how I got by my first in, induction to NASCAR because being from up there. And for those people, you know, the, the people from Canada that came over and that whole region, it was massive. Now, to your point, I think we're doing a better job now of including everybody and moving the schedule and not being afraid to move the schedule around to get everybody in and get everybody what they need and what they did, what the fans deserve. Um, Mark, we have talked about what other tracks we would like to see. I'm going to let, I want to start it off with you. Give me, give me like three, maybe, maybe like five, not, not all at one time that would we'd like to see, but if, if you could see a couple old tracks come back, which would those be for you? The number one track on my list is the Nashville Fairgrounds. Uh, it just really missed the 420 laps that we used to race uh, there back in the day. It's uh, certainly at the top of my list of, of getting back to. I think the response would be absolutely incredible. And then for an all-star race, I would love to see that race go to Slinger, Wisconsin. Uh, you talking about some action. Now, we would see some major action on that racetrack. I mean, hey, we went to the Coliseum in L.A. This is more of a racetrack than that was. So I, I would love to see it. I don't think that'll probably ever happen, though. <laughs> Just like, oh, I don't know about It would be, I'll tell you this, Mark, it would be damn entertaining. It would be that. There ain't no question about that. I'm all up for that. Like, I'm all up for some entertaining. <laughs> uh, Jeff, you got a couple on you. I know South Boston's close to your heart. Rockingham would be spectacular, uh, especially if you could go there and not have to pave the racetrack. That, that for a driver, get me some of that. Like, that place was so much fun. Uh, I hardly ever spoke to a driver that didn't love Rockingham. Uh, now, that doesn't mean the racing is great, right? But, but the drivers love it. Uh, but I thought that we had we had compelling races at Rockingham. Uh, and I think today with with stage racing and some of that other stuff, I think the racing would be even better at Rockingham. Um, Mark mentioned Slinger. You know, what you could do is is the Milwaukee Mile. Like you could well, go I was there. about to ask that, actually. So I'm and, glad you went there. Yeah. And have a you could have a race there because, you know, you got a big enough pit road to have pit stops like you've got uh, an opportunity with a great market, although. Uh, you're not going to get the close battles like you would as Slinger, right? Like that's two different kind right. of racetrack. Right. Milwaukee Mile is a New Hampshire in Milwaukee, like you know, yep. sort of kind of. Uh, so you wouldn't get the same type of racing that Mark is thriving for. 
uh, with, with Slinger. And I always think there's a place in our sport at a, for, again, an, a, not a point race, but an all-star type event that we go back to a grassroots level track, a track that has been a NASCAR sanctioned track for forever, uh, that has some history in the sport. You know, uh, Richard Petty raced at Hickory, at South Boston. I don't, you know, New Smyrna uh, would be a great, great place to have a race. Uh, that's a hell of a racetrack. Uh, there's some places like that that I think would be really good for special events. You got, you can't, mm-hmm. you can't go to a place that you can't have live pit stops, right? You right. got, you got to have track, and you become, you become. The smaller the track gets, the more that becomes a problem. But for special events, if you're going to have an all-star race, if you're going to have a clash like we did at the L.A. Coliseum, go somewhere unique. Go somewhere different. Go somewhere you don't race every week. That's easy to say now. We're learning that, right? We're learning that. But but I've, I, for a long time, believe there's an opportunity to touch the, the, the hardcore race fans by going to a, to a NASCAR-sanctioned track that's been – been a NASCAR station track for forever. I mean, we've talked about it on the show before, just always growing and figuring out new ways to do things that maybe were old, but do them now, right? Bringing that stuff back. I think it's a great idea, you know, using the two exhibition races as those marquee areas to really go into those, um, you know, the grassroots and really touch those people and touch those racetracks. I think that'd be huge. Um, you know, so with this new car on old services, on you know old tracks, which is what where we're headed, we we've come a long way, right? We have come a very long way from what was to what is, um, and that includes the safety part. I mean, these cars now are, are built in a way that they've never been before. Uh, everyone's safety equipment is at a level that's never been there before. And, and Jeff, I'm going to start with you on this because you, you had a conversation with, with Kevin Harvick um, over the past weekend about some of the safety stuff. But you brought up an interesting point about how things were going on before, like when we lost uh, Kenny Irwin Jr., when we lost Adam Petty and, and some of the safety things that were going on there. And we've come a long way from that point. Oh, my God. It's a different world than, than, uh, than where we were. I mean, I don't know if Mark remembers this conversation or not, but I, I was worked I worked pretty hard to build a head surround system, you know, that now everybody runs. Now, mine didn't look like they do today, but I built one. And I remember Mark coming to me and saying, man, are you sure you're not going to break your neck? Where, you know, he was concerned because it didn't look like anything we had ever seen before. And um, and we didn't do that on a va- in a vacuum. We did it with some research, but it was research that we had never done before in our sport. The thing we weren't thinking like that and you go back and think about where we are today and the millions of dollars and effort that's being put into providing safer race cars uh it is a different world that doesn't mean that we're at the end game safety is not a um it's not an achievable goal if you think you've gotten there then you've got the wrong job because there's always a way to do it better and you know we kevin was exceptionally frustrated and he should have been he should have been frustrated he's you know, they're out there doing their thing and their car caught fire on something that they had no control over. And why wouldn't you be mad? And it was not the first time that it happened. So in Kevin's mind, he's like, this should have been fixed. This should have been fixed before this happened. And he was very open about that, as Kevin will be. 
you know, you don't know where you, you don't have to wonder where you stand with Kevin. He'll let you know. And I don't think and, and you know, NASCAR is not defending it. NASCAR is they agree like that shouldn't have happened. That was unacceptable. And they went to work to, to make it better. Kevin wanted that to happen sooner. It should have happened sooner. In, in retrospect, it should have happened sooner. Much like the conversation we were having earlier about when to make a change. Like, how do you do that? Right. You know, and there's some concerns, you know, some drivers express concerns about how hard this hits, how the hard this car hits compared to other cars. And, you know, we got to address that, too. And I, I believe that the work is being done to address it. I believe that we will see meaningful change. It's just how quick can it happen, right? And that's the conversation. How quick can we make some of these things happen? The great thing about technology is you have it. The great thing, the bad thing about technology is once you have it, you have to use it. And when Mark and I were building race cars, if we had an opinion, we would just cut a bar out or we would add a bar. We would move something. We would just say, hey, this makes sense. Let's do it like this. And we would do it. And we'd make a change right now. But we didn't have the technology that we use, that we had to use to go through all these processes. Like you can't, we were willing to make a change that might be worse. We didn't think it was going to be worse, but it might have been. NASCAR can't do that. If they make a change, they have to know it moves things in the right direction. So that means it takes longer. And you have to do it across, third, you have to do it across every team in the sport and on every car that every team has. And, and in the middle of a supply chain issue, in the middle of a, a work a work shortage, in the middle of a championship season, it's challenge. It's challenges. You know, I think this will be a very busy offseason. I think you're going to see a lot of changes uh, to the car from a safety standpoint. I don't think any of them impact performance whatsoever. I think they're all crash-related or preventative measures. It's not going, not going to change the way the cars race. But unfortunately, that stuff takes time, and we wish it could happen sooner, but it's going to take some time. Mark, you've obviously seen the evolution of, of these cars in every aspect for a very long time. And, you know, kind of piggybacking off of Jeff's conversation he had with you when he was putting the headrest in, what what were things that you saw that, you know, you're like, I don't know about that. Or you're like, no, I really think, you know, we should go in this direction. Like, how did you decide that? Because you don't know what you don't know, you know? I was one of the last guys to get on the train. I, I, you know, I just did not pay uh, enough attention to the safety, and I was very lucky through my years. I, I was very fortunate to survive, uh, Jeff and I both, to survive the, the, the tire war. Uh, the tire war was, was killer. We had still had concrete walls, and we still uh, you know, had no head and neck restraint. And we blew a lot of right front tires out and hit a lot of concrete and are very lucky that we're, that I'm still able to get around as good as I am. So I, I looked at that, uh, Hans Weiss and I was like, I ain't wearing that, you know, and NASCAR had mandate that for me to start wearing it. I wouldn't, I would not wear it on my own. Uh, kudos to NASCAR. Uh, they've done, uh, an incredible job since uh, Dale's accident to move things forward. This uh, this new car, I'll, I'll get back to, to Kevin Harvick. I would have been out of my mind too. That should have never happened to Kevin Harvick. We've seen multiple fires, same fires through the season. After the first one happened, you know there should have been some major uh, attention given to what happened or how that could have happened. And by the time it got to Kevin's, that, that shouldn't have affected 
I mean, that could definitely take him out of the, a, a championship run. That one, that one fire could possibly. So he had every right to be to be mad. It's a little concerning about how hard the cars hit because it's not something you're going to easily change. I know that they'll be able to make some changes going forward, but I've got to say that I, as a racer, I'm sure you hate that car as a guy who works on those race cars and probably even drives them. You probably hate them. I, I, I would venture to say I would if I was a racer, but I'm a fan now. And that's the best racing I've seen in my life. What, what that car's putting on, the product that, that's being put on the racetrack right now is the best I've ever seen in my entire life. So the challenge is to try to improve the crush in those cars and absorb some, but not lose everything. I mean, you know, it's been like, moving the earth to try to get every race team enough cars and enough parts to be able to race. And now we can't just throw all that away. You know, we're going to have to, they're going to have to figure out how they can improve on it without losing, like Jeff said, without losing the competitive part of it. But not only that, but you have a financial part, a manufacturing part, there's a whole lot to be considered. So from a fan standpoint, you have to understand more than what you're seeing on TV. You see a great race and she drivers mad because they're getting hurt uh, or, or then it's more painful now to hit. And so if it's more painful now, then the risk is higher of getting injured, uh, you know, which brings me kind of uh, around to what happened to Kurt. Uh, you know, and, and it's a real tragedy that the accident he had didn't seem like it was one of those that would ever put you out of out of racing. And that's another aspect of progress. It's not Kurt's decision anymore. It's doctor's decisions. And so we have to even make these things safer because you don't get a choice in whether you're going to come back or not. You can't come back hurt and race like you could back in the day. It was expected back in the 80s and in the 90s. It was expected to come back no matter what. There's a lot riding on, you know, making improvements in the car from a crushed or uh, absorbing standpoint. But I know the challenge that they have to also face with the manufacturing and, and, and everything else. And, um, I know Jeff, uh, you know, probably has a little bit uh, to say about this too, because Jeff was really a leader in the safety stuff, really way on before I was paying any attention at all. And uh, I recall, but I do recall one thing that that happened. I'd like Jeff to maybe comment on. I remember something about New Hampshire, a rental car, Jack Roush. Uh, what was going on there, Jeff? Yeah, what's up, Jeff? What, what's going on? This is one of those. This is one of those where uh, I shouldn't have had the uh, ability to make a decision on my own. I don't know what happened. I had been involved in multiple wrecks uh, previous, and I woke up. I actually was driving to an interview 
at the old Fox Sports studio. I believe, I'm pretty sure it was Fox Sports studio to, to go down and do an interview. And I turned in the driveway on like a Tuesday afternoon. I turned in the driveway, made a right into the driveway, and I made that right. I thought I was spinning out. And I just kept doing circles and circles and circles. I had vertigo and uh, it was horrible. And I kind of got collected myself and went in there and got some water and just, you know, did the interview and then drove home and things didn't get better. Racing to New Hampshire that week. And so as the week's going on, I'm like, this isn't going to work. So uh, Jack Roush and I, I got there, I'd seen a doctor and what didn't get much out of that. So we... We got it. We saw a doctor uh, at, at, at New Hampshire, actually in Concord, New Hampshire. Uh, Jack Roush, myself, and my wife Kim went down there, and the doctor pretty much told me this could be career ending. Yeah, he's like, this. Some people never get over this. And <laughs> Kim's like, well, can we operate on him? Like she was ready to cut me right then. <laughs> um, so, so he did tell us. He said, you know, a lot of people you can train the brain to ignore whatever this is that's going on because there's a multitude of things that can cause dizziness. And, and, um, so one of the things he told us, he said, if you get on a roller coaster, if you can do anything like that, you need to be doing that. So Jack Rouse, me and Jack Rouse, he heard that. And Saturday morning, knock on the door, open the door. And I hadn't slept at all. You couldn't, I couldn't lay down. I could only, I couldn't, I could only sit up because I was only marginally dizzy. If I sat up, if I laid down, I was ridiculously dizzy. And, um, and being in a car or anything moving was not, it was bad. So he's, he, hey, let's go. And I'm like, where are we going? He said, we're going for a ride. And he put my ass in that rental car and he made me drive. And we, he found, he had pre, he had, uh, he had done the um, recon work and he had found all the curviest roads he could find in the mountains of what I felt like that had mountains of New Hampshire. And we drove around that damn place for hours. We went to the airport, went to the end of the runway or the tarmac and did, circles, uh, everything. Sunday morning, he had me on a golf cart. Sunday morning before the race, he had me on a golf cart doing circles in the infield at turn two at New Hampshire on the left side of the of the tunnel. Uh, so he was pretty committed to getting me back in that car. From pre-race, um, it's damn the same. I'm standing next to Mark, and I'm like, you, I'm going to lean on you because I need, I can't, don't know that I can stand. So I'm leaning against Mark. Mike Helton is aware all this is going on. He's there watching me. Like I'm having to prove to Mike that I can drive, right? He's watching me. Mark's kind of got me, helping me out. They call my name to go, you know, hey, wave to the crowd, do all that stuff for introductions, right? There's this damn flatbed trailer we're standing on behind on pit road, behind the, the pit road wall. And there's a ramp that you went down to get to the racetrack. And then to get in the back of the truck to go do your ride around. So I get about halfway down that ramp and I'm focused, man. I'm like, I'm going to got to get down here. I know Hilton's watching me. And I get about halfway down there and I hear, and getting a special award from whatever from the week before. Oh, oh no. 180 my ass, back up that thing, go up <laughs> that ramp, stand there, take that picture. It was the longest three minutes of my life. I, I mean, I'm telling you, and then riding around in that damn truck. God, it was it was torture. And um, I had to get out of the car. Todd Bodine got in there and, and finished the race. Uh, but it was uh, it was a, not a fun weekend at all. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. Sir. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Gentlemen, it is always a pleasure. Folks, I hope you've enjoyed another episode of Mark Mamba and the Mayor. <laughs>